Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of The American Landman. I'm your host, Neil Hogger, and you found The American Landman podcast where we talk about buying, managing, and selling American land. Well, today we're taking you out to the state of Ohio, almost in West Virginia, the southern tip in Meigs County, Ohio. We've got a brand new American Landman by the name of Joe Schmitzer. Joe is a good friend of mine that I've known for many years. I helped him um, uh, helped him find this property by setting him up with a Whitetail Properties land specialist, which you're going to hear about. But we get into the process of buying this property, and it really starts probably uh, 20 years prior, where Joe made some really good financial decisions, bought uh, residential real estate, sold properties, saved his money along the way, and he gives some really good tips and advice that led him to buying his first piece of hunting ground. So I think you're gonna enjoy this process. If you're a guy that is looking for a property, uh, is maybe looking for a process, Joe's gonna give you some tips and tricks of how he made his dream come true. So enjoy this episode. You're listening to the American Landman Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vitalized Seed Company. Cycle plant nutrients the way nature intended. The Packer Max HD Cultipacker. 100% of your seed goes down, 100% of your seed comes up and Landgate at landgate.com. Data, intelligence, and marketplace for land and its resources. And now let's get back to the show. And Joe Schmitzer, welcome to the American Landman Podcast, buddy. Hey, Neil. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is an exciting day. Well, not quite the, the day, but in the last <laughs> month or so, you uh, you are one of America's newest American landman. And so I want to wish you congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, super exciting. If you've been listening to the podcast, I think you have a little bit. Um, We like to talk about, you know, the process of buying, managing and selling land. And, and uh, I think there's going to be guys that are interested in this story because you were able to achieve this elusive dream that people think is unachievable. And, uh, Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. But hey, before we get going in that, why don't we set this up with who you are? So tell us a little bit about you know where you live. Tell us about your hunting background, and uh, let us learn something about you. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania. I, my story is probably similar to a lot of guys out there. But uh, started hunting at a young age. You know, started stick. You know, with my dad going out in the woods, and then uh, got the mentor license, and then uh, you know started hunting. You know, white-tailed deer was our, really what I hunt most of my life. Um, did that through college and then, um, after college is when I ran into a buddy that I met in college where we started really seriously archery hunting. Um, and then, uh, at that point I started, uh, you know, trying to trophy hunt or shoot bigger and bigger deer every year as far as antler wise and age wise. Uh, but yeah, so, so started back in the, I mean, back in the day, long time, I won't tell you, well, who cares? I'm 55. And I've been looking for a property, you know, I knew I always wanted to have my own hunting property since, you know, probably since I was 25 or 30 years old. But of course, like most guys, we get married, we have children, we have expenses and families and kids and college and everything else that kind of pushes things off. Well, I find my kids are graduating college now and um, I sold my big house and then uh, transferred some of that money over. I didn't do the 1039 exchange on this one. I just uh, I just uh, put the money down that I had from the house and purchased this property. But I've been looking for hunting ground for years. I mean, I've had, I've had leases for 20 years. I've had both Ohio and Pennsylvania. Um, I've and had Wisconsin. Probably, and Wisconsin. That's right. And Wisconsin. And of course, I've hunted, like a lot of guys, I've done trips out of state. Um, uh, I used to hunt like four or five states a year. And I just jump in my truck and drive to Missouri, drive to Iowa for the late you know, late uh, gun season or muzzleloader season because you can buy, you get those tags fairly easy. 
I never even tried for the archery tag in Iowa because it took four years and I never, you know, of course, they, four years go by, it's going to go by, so you might as well apply, but I never applied. But anyway, um, hunted a lot of different states and then um, finally, you know, wanted to, you know, prioritize and, and really get a piece of ground that I could, you know, hunt by myself with my kids, you know, have something private and eventually put a house on it. Uh, this The house, the one property I bought has a, an old farmhouse on it that um, I can't, I can't, well, I could fix it up, but it's not really worth it. It's a little bit small, so the money I have to put into it wouldn't be worth it. So I'm going to tear it down and then um, um, I'm looking at, and again, that's another process too, you know, just like looking at land for the last, hard for the last two years, like literally looking uh, hard, you know, like every single week, um, you know, looking at different counties. And again, I, I don't know how other guys search for property. Uh, I knew my price range. Um, it was under 300 grand. And I knew that I wanted to buy property in the top um, big buck counties in Ohio. I live in Pennsylvania, north of Pittsburgh, so I can get into Ohio in 20 minutes to a half hour. So I figured anything within four to five hours, I could zip over, if I have my own property, stay at a hotel nearby and then hunt property. But And that's what I'm doing now. But um, long story short, is I, I, I would look very, I mean, forever uh, on all the counties bordering, not all the counties, the counties that had the big buck counties above uh, Route 70. In uh, Ohio, which is, uh, you know, you talk about uh, like Tuscaroras, Coshocton, uh, and some of those counties are the ones that are, I think there are a couple of the top five big buck counties in Ohio. And that's what I limited myself to. So once you look at those properties, there's not tons of properties in those counties that are for sale all the time. And then when they do pop up, if anything I saw that was under 500 grand was sold, no joke, in, in a week it was gone. Like, I go back into to print it out to call the agent to get, you know, to, set up a time to go see it and that's contingent, you know, or under agreement, you know, uh, it was unbelievable. So I, I expanded my distance that I would drive, which got me down to Southern Ohio, where the property tends to be uh, much more, I mean, it still can be four and five, six thousand dollars an acre, but I just found some properties that, um, you know, were a little more wooded. They weren't as, uh, they didn't have the crops on where they tend to ask more money. And um, mine's, mine's fairly hilly. Uh, mine, from my landing where I parked to the top of the backside of my property, the elevation is 780 feet, so it's no joke. Um, but, the, you know, so I think a lot of guys are turned off by that. They don't like to walk up and down hills. I don't mind it. I love, you know, it gets me in shape and keeps me in shape. And, it's, uh, you know, I like it because it reminds me of Pennsylvania. There's a lot of ravines and there's hill hunting and uh, uh, ridges and stuff like that, which I like to hunt. Uh, but long story short, we go back into how I, the process took about me about two years to truly find the property. I ended up calling you because we had known each other for years, and I you referred me down to Josh Grant, which is he works in Southern Ohio for White Oak Properties. And I met with Josh, and we looked at uh, a few properties on a couple of different occasions. And then um, the one that I found, uh, you know, I just had utilities at the road where I thought I could build a house has a pre-existing well, which I'll have to redo, but at least I know that there's water there. And then, um, uh, of course, electric, I said, is there. And then um, it does have the ridges that run north and south. So if you have your normal north northeast winds you can hunt those fairly good even if you get northeast winds or southeast or southwest you can still hunt those ridges yeah, just different different directions right you know? a lot of options but long story, yeah a lot of options so it's, it's pretty nice the only problem is if it's from the south and you're parking at the south you're kind of blowing into it so i'm learning i'm heading over there in a couple of days here to, to hunt the you know, four days of inline muzzleloader uh, in ohio and um, i've been checking the wind for the last few days just to see what looks good. And it looks like I'm actually going to have for the, really for the first time, I'm going to have really good weather for the first, um, uh, you know, first you know, few days of the hunt. So, but anyway, so I don't know what you could probably ask me some more specific yeah. questions so I can answer some stuff. Well, let's, let's, um, well, first off, let's, we're talking. So the guys that know Ohio, 
I didn't give the exact location of your farm, Joe, but you're you're about smack dab in the center of Meigs County, which is on the north side of the, is that the Ohio River that goes through there? Yeah, yeah okay. right, right across the river is West Virginia, yeah. Yeah, so we're pretty close to West Virginia. So just for people that are in their mind's eye trying to figure out where you're at, Meigs County, just north of West Virginia uh, in the Ohio River Valley. But so I want to take you back a little bit in time, Joe, because um, you brought out a couple things that I think are a valuable experience for the guys that are also trying to become an American land man like you. And so let's go back uh, a number of years because you said you didn't buy your first property till you were 53. And this wasn't even your first purchase, right, in real estate. You didn't buy land first. You leased for many, many years. But oh, yeah. let's talk. So let's talk about the stepping stones to get to this property. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, there's a whole, there's all kinds of you know lanes that you have to take. To, obviously, guys that are looking for property, obviously, you have to save money. You, know, you have to put, start putting money aside all the time. I don't, know, I don't know how people, how the guys are listening to this do their finances, but if you have a goal in mind to buy something, you know you're going to need twenty percent down. And actually, mine was vacant ground, so you need twenty five percent down. So if you don't want to pay extra, you know, insurance and stuff like that, so. I knew this because I'm in real estate. I have my own rental properties. You know, I've had them for you know ten years now, and uh, my father's been in real estate for you know forty eight years over here in Pennsylvania. So I got some background in real estate. But um, you have to start saving money. Long story short, you got to have some cash on hand. It doesn't take a ton either. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you, if you watch enough YouTube, you can find these guys that hunt five, ten, fifty, twenty acre properties and shoot great deer, and they they might buy these properties you know for under twenty grand a piece and, and buy, have multiple properties hunting all over the place. So mm-hmm. I have a guy that is my actually the, the trash man for my my townhouses that I live here, I live at now. He does that. He has four properties and two of them are five acre par- parcels. But long story short, he saved up money and just bought each one. Now he's got multiple places to hunt. But long story short, you got to save some money for your your down payment. I don't know how you do that. I mean, I just put a little bit of money aside, you know, per month um, into an account that I didn't touch. Um, and then I started scouring Pennsylvania and Ohio because I wanted to be able to drive there, you know, in an afternoon. I didn't want to have to travel more than five or six hours. I wanted to be under the under the five hour if I could. That way I could leave on a Friday afternoon and get there by dinner, have a nice meal, relax, get situated, then go to bed and get up and hunt, whatever. Well, I think so that, that I think that radius that you chose to drive is can be key because you're in a pretty high population area and things are expensive. And I know when I bought my first property up in uh, Ashland uh, County, Wisconsin, yeah. I did the same thing. I in order to get something I could afford, I had to right. expand my Absolutely. net and I drove three and a half hours to Krause Creek. That's what we called it. Right. And, um, yeah. but it was a 900 bucks an acre, but, um, well, but before we get in this and we are definitely going to talk about your property a lot, I, I still want to like explore ways that you got into it. So you, you had rental properties and you had residential home first. So let's start with that. So you, you bought, you saved up and you bought a residential home. That was your first thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So I only, I don't, I've only had let's see, one, two, three houses, three residential homes in my life. Uh, the rest, you know, as younger, I had rent, you know rented apartments and townhouses, and I, I was in medical sales, so I bounced around to different states. So um, you know, I just went wherever I, I didn't buy anything where I went. I just rented and saved that money. I never spent like again. I didn't spend money on. I had a company car, so I didn't buy an extra car. I didn't buy like all my buddies buying a fancy car. I didn't, I didn't spend money like that. I yeah. just saved it. Um, that was one benefit of I, that career is I gave you a car every couple of yeah, years. Yeah, for the first 10 years, <laughs> I, had, I had a company car, and I literally put 500 bucks a month away for a company for a car payment. I didn't do insurance and all that stuff, but I, I spent 500 bucks a month, and I took it out of my paycheck and put it in an account along with oh. a couple hundred bucks 
you know, I put away for land. You know what I mean? So you were you were literally right. paying. You were saving as if you were paying for a car, but you weren't. You, that would be a yeah, normal. Absolutely. That would be a normal life experience or expense, and you just put yeah, it away. Right. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, right. Instead of wasting, I mean, and I saw my buddies buying BMWs and Mercedes, and all <laughs> yeah. these fancy cars, and you know, I just I couldn't justify spending a thousand bucks a month on a car that you drove on the weekend. You know, no, I might do that for a full size. You know, twenty five hundred, you know, Dodge Mega Cab or something, but <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it for a car. Anyway, I'm the, I'm the so same yeah, way, man. I I want. I'd I'd love to have. Like my thing is, I want to have a really nice sports sedan, something that I could take my yeah. uh, you know my trophy wife. She hates it when I say that, but take my wife for a ride yeah. and convertible, and you know, it might someday be my you know my prize for myself. But right now, well, well, hey, it's not. Everything is possible. I mean, everything is possible. You just have to plan for it. You know. I think it's deciding. So, it's deciding where you want to go. I mean, what's your priorities? And your right. priorities were you wanted some hunting land. So, right. um, so I think that's great. That's so there's that's a key thing to remember of this podcast is that you started saving some money. So, all right. So you started saving some money, and it, it was five hundred bucks a month. Um, how'd you get into and you bought a couple houses and you're making, let's face it, you're making some pretty good money with medical device sales, which that's probably key too. Yeah. But, but even, even the guy that doesn't have that level of a job, um, sure. If you, if you can prioritize your, your goals and say, I want to buy yeah. land, uh, you could find a way to scratch away a couple hundred bucks a month until you can get something right. and start small. But, right. but when did you get into the, so you got into some rental properties as well. And when did you get into that and how'd you do that? I, um, uh, worked for a medical device company and that company and I had bought some shares in that company and that company and it eventually got bought out, um, for a good stock price, you know, you know much higher than what I paid for the shares I had. So that helped me with my down payment, um, you know, for along with me saving. And then that, that money there was all money. I, I didn't spend that money. I can go buy, I can go buy another car. I can go buy a tractor. I didn't even both buy the Harley Davidson that I own now. I didn't buy that at the time. I, um, I saved all the money and I put, used that money as a down payment for, uh, four buildings. There was a group of townhouses of 16 townhouses and four different buildings that purchased, I purchased like a small community, uh, all at one time. So, and I didn't pay for it. I, I just had enough for a down payment and it was expensive. I mean, it was a million bucks at the time I bought it 10 years ago. And you took some money out so, of, didn't you take some money out of, uh, IRA or something or 401k? Oh yeah. But, I was so mad about the fact that uh, after the 2008, they screwed everybody once again with the you know Wall Street saying that there were you know that dips that they have every four or five years to keep you to take your money from you. I I had enough of that, so I I took the 10% penalty, pulled that out, uh, didn't use it all. I I just put that into my my account and I used whatever I needed for my down payment for my townhouses, and I kept some of the extra money back for other expenses because even though the, I bought the townhouses, I spent you know I paid a lot of money for them. You know, you got to keep them rented to make money. So I certainly had my first year. I had six people move out of sixteen units. Mm. So that's six thousand dollars a month I was losing. So and that that happened like six months into it, I lost six people that said they were leaving oh, for the last oh, six months of the year. What was yeah, the pucker? What was the pucker factor with that one? About one hundred and fifty percent. I was dying. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know what I was going to do. I was like truly scared. I was like, what am I, you know, we, we get past six months. I can't make my mortgage pay. So I literally, you got to step back, focus. And of course my dad's in some real estate. So I, I, you know, bounced ideas off of him about getting the rent units rented, who we were looking for. And I, I don't do HUD. Uh, my townhouses are very, very nice. Um, they're updated every single time somebody leaves, they're painted, clean, everything is broken, just fixed. You why, know, why don't you explain yeah. HUD just really quickly so people yeah. know it. HUD is just the government. Um, I, so, you, you know, HUD is typically, it's a government program 
that helps people that can't afford rent or yeah. can't afford housing. It helps them uh, afford housing. So they, they might have to pay a couple hundred dollars a month towards the payment, but I don't have to worry about that because they pay the government. The government pays me every month right. or, or we pay whoever does HUD. So it's a guaranteed money. So people, renters or landlords like it, but you also have to understand the people that you're getting in there don't care about your place. Um, and you, you know, it's, it's tough to get them out once you get them in there and they, they're not easy on your places. So, yeah. um, if you, if you can deal with fixing stuff, really fixing things up, if you're handy, you know how to do fix up like wall, fixing holes in walls, fixing, taking, taking trim on, putting new trim on, fixing toilets, sinks, plumbing, electrical you can do all that, then HUD, I think, is a good avenue. It can be a good, it can be a model. I know I had a, I had a a female friend that wanted to get into real real estate and she bought a house in Minneapolis. That was a HUD house. And uh, she recruited all of us guys. There's about six of us that were this little group. We're all good friends. And so we went over there and, and we went into the house the first time people got kicked out or whatever. And she went there to, with the keys. I mean, literally opened the door. These people, instead of walking the garbage out to the front stoop, they were just taking bags and just tossing them down in the basement. And if you could imagine, <laughs> you know, a 1,500 yeah. square foot, you know, home and the basement was almost filled up to the light bulbs with bags of garbage that they just threw downstairs. They didn't, they didn't no. take it. <laughs> and you're wondering, really, are you that lazy? But yeah, so not a, not a model that you won't we'd want, I want to do, but so, all right. So you got this million dollar place and you, you, you're, you're down 25% or more in renters. I mean, how do you persevere through that? Because right there, I think a lot of people that are, you know, even thinking about getting into real estate and having properties and using residential as their Avenue to get to a piece of hunting land, you just lost right. them right there. There's that because they hear well, that every time. Let, let me backtrack too, because you, you say a million bucks, everybody thinks about me that's listening to this. You say, oh, he's a millionaire. He's got a lot of money. I literally went from medical device sales. I had some cash. Well, I was making good salary, but I used, I sold my my, my retirement. I, I divested and then I used the money from my shares for the down payment on this place. So I no longer had a retirement. This was, this is my retirement. That was it. So and, and so if anybody knows businesses, listen to this, you know that you don't, even though you start, you're making 16,000 bucks a month on rentals, sounds like a lot of money. It's not at all. As a matter of fact, I don't, up until this year, 10 years in, I never touched the money at all, ever from my rental properties because the money I had to pay my taxes with those rental properties, with the rental income. I had to pay my mortgage payments because I have two, I refinance and we separated them out. So I have two different, I have two different, uh, mortgages for my townhouses. And then I have a line of credit just in case I get, had something seriously bad happen. I have an extra 50,000 bucks. I can jump in there and fix something. And I still have insurance and everything else. But so all those expenses, not to mention, I pay uh, my brother to do all my daily maintenance for, you know, and I pay him a certain amount per month. And then I have things that break that have to be faced every month. So I made a rule to myself. I never, ever touch the money coming from my rental properties. Uh, So anything I make from them that stays in those accounts. So it's like I made that money. So now, and I went out and I sold, started selling real estate after I got out of the medical device industry. So literally, my money was in my townhouses. I still was in my big house at the time, and three years ago, whenever I got out of medical. And then, so I still had a really nice house, you know, mortgage, taxes, and you know, kids in college. And I still have one in college. But um, so I was struggling just like everybody else. And then, of course, I had some empty units. So it was fairly stressful. So I got into real estate and I started doing real estate and making some money there. Never really, you know, killed it because I was trying, you know, not to, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I was trying to get myself out of working and moving into my, you know, I wanted to get rid of my house, which I eventually did this year. I, I did really well on my home. I made a lot of money. 
paid off all of my debt, uh, except for my commercial, uh, loans. Uh, and now I live in one of my townhomes and I have my business pay for it. So I literally don't have a mortgage now or utilities or anything, um, that I pay. So it's like, I'm, I'm not living for free. If you're in business, you know, you're not living for free. I'm, I'm taking up a unit that costs that I would normally make, you know, $1,100, $1,200 a month. At night. But the rest of them are so, paying for your, for your correct, living, right? Correct. Right. But you, you, you know how it goes though. It, it, it does, if I wasn't living here, there'd be another thousand, twelve hundred bucks a month right. I'm making. So I am losing money. If you, if you want to be, if you're a business person, any business person or tax person, they look, you're losing money. You know, there's another 12,000 bucks or 15,000 bucks a month for that unit you're not getting for a year because you're living there for free. So, but I figured I deserved it. You know, I lived, I worked for 35 years and I'm good. Um, but long story short, that was my whole goal is to get, so once I sold my home, I, I, I had, I built the home in 2003 and it was in a really good area and it, and it was a nice house. Um, had a nice pool and stuff like that. So I sold it. I made a lot of money from it. Um, so that money there was how, again, if you look back in my history, it's like, it's all building on things I've done. I made decisions to buy a property, didn't spend money on the side, saved the money, didn't touch my rental property income. And now I sold my home, moved into one of my townhouses, got rid of the, of the expense. I mean, literally my, my house was $3,600 with all the taxes, utilities, and mortgage. It was anywhere between thirty six, thirty eight hundred bucks a month. So times that by 12. So, <laughs> so right off the bat, I saved myself 40 some thousand dollars a year that I don't know. I don't have to make anymore. So I moved into here, but then I just made a lot of money for my, so I put my money in my bank account. I paid off my son graduated from Penn State, did a very nice job, worked hard. So I paid off his loan. So he's debt free. I helped him buy a car. Didn't pay for it all, but I just helped him buy one. Uh, he's got a good job. He's working now. He's living at home now. Um, so that's all part of this deal, but I saved that money thinking of, you know, still looking for property, you know, all during all these years, I've been looking for property while leasing and, and hunting and traveling to other places for, you know, weekly hunts, that kind of stuff that a lot of guys do. Um, and then I started looking at numbers and I'm thinking, oh my God, I, you know, going on a, a hunt for a week out in Iowa cost me, you know, $3,500, not to mention getting there. And I used to drive my truck out there with all my supplies. So I didn't forget anything. So I didn't like flying with guns and all that crap. So. Long story short is, you know, I, I probably have 5,000 bucks wrapped up in a week. Every guy who went did. You know, if you drove, you know, you figure it cost me, you know, probably 600 bucks in gas to get to Iowa and 600 bucks back. Not to mention driving back and forth to the property every day, which isn't close. Um, so long story short, I mean, all these, uh, everything I did was thinking about what I wanted to ha have once, once I got the kids out of college. Um, so what I did with the money from a portion of the money, I used the down payment to um, buy this property in Ohio. Um, and I also sold my big truck that I had in January. You know, you have used trucks for selling. And I stopped by a dealership in January after I dropped my son off at his last semester of school last year and um, um, asked them if they wanted to buy a truck. And they, they gave me $21,000 more than what I owed on the truck at the time. <laughs> so I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I thought the guy was messing with me or joking with me. So I literally handed him the keys. He goes, oh, no, we, you know, we'll, come back a week or so, we'll do the paper. I said, nope. I said, if you're going to give me that much money, I'm, 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 I have my daughter come get me. So I called my daughter. She come and picked me up. 21,000 bucks. Over what I over what I owed on it. You couldn't get the keys out of your pocket fast enough. I couldn't. <laughs> I threw about through him. I'm not joking. The marriage was in there. I literally, I started hitting him and he almost didn't take it. I, said, I, I gave a motion because I was a throw it at him. And then he put his hand out and I put it in his hand. I said, we're done. I said, that's the number you gave me. That's the number I'll take. I said, I have my daughter come get me. I'll pull my stuff out of it. We'll be all set. I said, I'll come back later for the, uh, I had a lock on the hitch and didn't have the key. So I said, I'll come back. Whenever we do the paperwork, I'll come back. And uh, uh, if you guys want to cut off cut off that lock, it's fine. I, I'll buy another $12 lock. Uh, but yet, um, I'll come back, get the hitch. And um, I think I had a, a license plate on the front that I couldn't get off. I said, I'll just come back and get those in a week whenever we do the paperwork. And they already had it off for me. The paperwork was all done. It came back in a week. I signed it. Yeah. And two weeks later, I got a check for $21,000. That's awesome. 
you know, and I use that money towards a brand new truck. I just bought along with a little bit of money from the house. I pay cash. Yeah. But, but there's like, there uh, was a gap there where you didn't have that fancy truck. For yeah. Six months. Are you ready to make a purchase and become the next American landman? Or perhaps if you have a track of land that you're ready to sell, just want to be sure you're working with the most qualified land specialist agent you can find. Well, it all begins with finding the right agent, a land specialist agent. Whitetail Properties Real Estate is the leading land sales broker in the nation. Our mission is simple. We exist to connect the buyer and sellers of American land. Our land specialists are specifically trained to sell land, be it farms and ranches, timber, mineral, or recreational tracks. And we have agents at almost every state of the union waiting to serve you. If you're ready, give me a call, send me a text or an email. I'll ask you a few basic questions and then connect you with my network of the nation's best landmen and land women. We have land specialists in almost every state of the union, coast to coast. Get in touch with me. I'm Neil Hogger. I'm a land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate, and I want to be your guy in the land business. Let me, let me, let me insert something here that people don't know. All right. So I've known Joe since about 1987, 88, I think, 98, 98. When Joe, Joe broke up a fight between me and another guy that I I was about to hand this guy his backside. But anyways, that's another story we won't get into. But one thing, one thing, Joe, that I've always, that I think the listeners need to hear, because this is a good lesson is you, you evaluate these moves and then you just freaking do it. And like medical devices, great paying company, great paying job, had some money. Boom. You just got it ended. You sold your stock and you moved into these townhomes. And then you got some other things happen in life we won't get into. And next thing you know, you're selling your house and it was gone. And Joe had a beautiful home um, with a beautiful pool. He used to send me photos of him sitting out there with a with a beer and his toes dangling <laughs> in the water. But you make very... I would say strategic, but I don't want to say drastic, but you know, you make a decision, you, you go with it. And this happened over the course of, we're talking 20 some years. So this didn't happen overnight. Right. Right. So the guys that are listening to this, you know, my, when I look at my demographics, I, I was surprised to see a lot of the listeners that are listening to this are in that 40, 45 range. There's a lot of younger guys too, that there's a lot of cues here that I think that they should pick up. But to the guys that you've got some years on you and you've got some accumulation, some money behind you, Joe pulled his money out of stock market, took the 10% hit, didn't look into it, moved it into real estate, had a bad experience at the beginning where he had 30% vacancy or more, but didn't panic, got him filled because he's he's supplying something that people want, did a lot of work on his own because he's pretty handy and he had a brother that was helping him for sure. And then all along, he kind of like made these financial moves, Joe. I think you did a lot of good things. Dumping your truck just like that because you had a beautiful big old Dodge that was. Oh, I love it. I yeah, it I miss was, that truck. That thing was gorgeous. And But here you go. Here's the keys. You capitalize at a high point in the market where they were giving you that stupid money for stuff. You're like, yeah, fine. Take it. Gone. Now you had this money. So we're to the point where you're tired of le- leasing because people are trespassing um, real quick. Tell us how your lease ended, and then let's get to your your property purchase. Oh, yeah, my lease. Uh, and, and let me recap my whole 
story here for these guys that are listening to. I mean, uh, I've listened to these stories on podcasts too, and I think there's no way I can do that. I've listened to hundreds of them, and I and and, and I always thought I listen to these stories, and I hear I can't do that. I always thought I can't. There's no way I'm going to do that. I'm, not, I'm never going to get there. You will get there. It's actually so much easier than you think. All you got to do is make a decision. Talk to a financial advisor. Talk to your banker. Become a find a bank in you know, a small hometown bank in your town where you've already maybe where you buy your house where your mortgage is for your home, and it's not with one of those national companies, but if there is, find a local bank, go in there, sit down with someone, a young guy who needs to make some loans, who needs to make some business, talk about how what your goals are, get him, that banker, to pick up your mortgage at the other company, maybe buy your mortgage from the other company, or buy you out or refinance you with him, get him to have your business, and now you're already taking care of him, so now when you, he'll help you find ways to make, he'll tell you exactly what you need to do to save money, enough money, and what programs are out there for first-time buyers. Uh, for just vacant property or property with, with homes on it or potential homes on it. There might be some work. All those things are things that you need to talk about now. You can't wait to, okay, finally I got some money in my hand. I'm going to go buy property. It, that's the, I think the wrong way to do it. You need to really have somebody behind you that knows what they're doing. Like Neil is behind me. I, I bounce stuff off him for all the time, every, every week. Um, Josh Grant, the white properties guy in Southern Ohio was very good. We looked at a lot of properties, um, told a lot of stories about guys buying property, what they did with them, how they move things around. They had contacts in that area too. You, you know, learn more and more about how to do things with, with, when you buy a property in an area from your real estate agent, if he's good. And then, um, but the banker part is really important because you can't do anything without money. Um, so you need to get familiar with some kind of banker, the, the young person, man or woman, I don't care that likes, that needs to grow their business in the bank and they will help you. They'll create a, a career path or a, you know, a, a you know, business plan for you to move forward on buying what's in baby step. Like for this, I, I found 77 acres, but what we didn't talk about is the fact that I actually lost a bid on a property a month prior for 110 acres. It was twice as expensive. Um, and I really didn't want to spend that much money. Um, but I, you know, so I think things worked out for the best. So I, you know, I got to this property now we'll talk about it in the business. But I think and it's not in a, just to sum up my story, I think anybody can do this. You just need to start talking to a bank, a local banker, small bank. Sit down and find out what you can and can't do, what what you're worth, what you and how you become more uh, worth more to the bank. How much money you need for a potential property you might see. Maybe you target a 50 acre property. So if it's worth you know 75 grand, you need 20 percent down. You know that's you know so you need your you know your your you know 15 grand, which is or 10 12 grand plus closing costs. So let's say you're 15 grand in. Most guys can save that up in a few years um, doing some stuff. So it's not impossible. So long story short, that's just to sum up, if it is possible, uh, I've made a lot of, you know, decisions over the years and saved a lot of money. And I'm a, I'm a little, what Neil didn't say, I'm a little more of an extremist too. I like, I wanted to try to buy a little. Five, five, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to buy 500 acres, my first property. Neil's like, what the, why? Yeah. You don't need I mean, to. You really don't need to, especially if you have properties around you that are big, you know, and, and you know, not even necessarily big, but, you know, I, well, for me, I got, you know, that's why I like it. We'll talk about my property too, why I selected it, because I thought I got, I think I got very, very lucky. Other than it being hilly, which I like, that's the only thing that might draw back, you know, what might slow down some seller or some buyers for me when I go to sell it. It's not going to be for the 65 year old guy unless he's got an AT or UTV to drive around, then it's fine. Right. Um, but, you know, so just that synopsis, I think, you know, anybody can do it. Talk to a local banker, get you, get yourself a, a business plan or just a simple plan in place of what you need to save to get a down payment. Then start looking, find out where you want to buy and start looking on the internet. You can, you can find everything on the internet. Well, so I think I need, a realtor. Yeah. I think I need to have a podcast about the team because I knew when I was investing and I was listening to all these podcasts, um, 
I heard this a lot, but I didn't really get it. Like, and I surely didn't take action steps, but you're right. You got to assemble a team and, and we'll have to talk about that. But a banker is probably number one. I have a financial planner, but he really wasn't into land. And he actually, I, right. I started buying re- residential real estate before he even started buying it, but now he owes it as part of his portfolio. And, um, right. but the stories of the residential multifamily that you have, and maybe how that got you to this was kind of interesting. I know I have another interview coming up with a gentleman out of uh, California. We're going to talk about that. And I think for the listeners, we're going to point counterpoint buying residential multifamily first versus land first, because I get that question a lot. You know, what should we do? Mm-hmm. But your story is really interesting, Joe, and and maybe I'll have to have you back again, and we'll kind of dive into a little bit more of the details. But all right, so let's let's right. get into your property because that's what guys really want to hear about. So you're an American landman now, and you bought seventy seven acres roughly. Right. Um, yep. And I really like the story of how you kind of like you know defined down or narrowed down uh, what it is that you were looking. Um, so your 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 uh, radius was three to four hours from home, which was, that's rather unusual, believe it or not. Um, but you targeted, um, but that enabled you to target some top counties in, um, the state of Ohio, Ohio, which is really good. And now I'm looking at, I'm looking at the map. I'm kind of hovering above the map and I see Albany, which that's where that's, is that the university or is that Athens university? Uh, uh, Athens is where Ohio university is. Okay. So, if you follow the Fab Five that I talk about, you know you're within what is that, forty five minutes maybe from Athens. No, it's, it's actually twenty six miles, so it takes me a half hour. Okay, all right, it's a little windy, yeah. but you're along, yeah. a, you know, you're along a, a highway there. Looks like Highway thirty three. Um, you're north of um, uh, Pomeroy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not in a you're not in a big growth area, but you're kind of you're kind of centered in pretty easy drive from a number of centers. Um, but you right. get to your property and you, you narrowed it down to this. What caught your eye about this property? I, I liked, um, well, the, the first thing that, like you said, the, the, why, how I got down there is like, because all the properties up north were a little more expensive because there were no guys want to drive. They want to drive an hour to their top property and shoot big bucks and then drive home. Right. Um, that pushed me that looking for a good property and the price I wanted to be in pushed me a little further into Southern Ohio, but the five counties in Southern Ohio, uh, that have the biggest bucks. One of them is Meg's County where I purchased. So that's what got me to Meg's County. Uh, so that's what I told Josh. I said, don't look at anything else out of Meg's or Adams right now. That's the two counties I'm looking at. Here's the properties I sent them. I sent them. Uh, from the website, and then um, and a couple that I found that were not white property listings, but Josh still showed them to me. Yeah, you were you um, were working with uh, like a residential agent earlier, though, right? For, yeah, first. Yeah, first, and I kind of yeah. recommended. I said, "Hey, Joe, geez, you know, get with a guy yeah. that actually is moving and shaking in this market, actually trying to sell, yeah. you know, hunting properties." Do Do you mind yeah, saying well, what you bought this for? Because it was a pretty reasonable price, as I recall. Oh my God. Uh, it, it, it was a, I mean, you know, it might sound like a lot to some guys, but, it, but when I was, it, I only paid $2,200 an acre. So if you, if any guy, every guy out there is probably saying, holy crap, you know, we usually we're paying, if you look at, you know, it's less than 170,000 bucks. Oh man. If you look at, Ohio, I paid a hundred, yeah, I paid 170, um, for the, for the so 77 acres. So it was going to be a 2200 bucks an acre. 
Uh, it was he was originally asking um, two twenty five, so a lot more. Um, but he hadn't had any offers at the time, and it would, but everything was still going fast. I mean, this property was under two hundred grand now, and, and well, it was two hundred twenty five grand, and I offered one seven one sixty five. How many days on the market was it when you made your offer? I want to say it was on for about two and a half months. During the hottest peak selling market the world has ever known, which is a key. That's something to look at. Look at the days on market as an indicator. You know, if if you're a guy that's out there and doesn't have a Josh or me that doesn't have the ability to, you know, dive into the data like we have, you should find one of us. That's what you should do. But you can look at that days on market and you start to see days on market in a hot market like that high. 50, 75 yeah. days, you got to ask yourself what's going on. And it's usually an indication that it's just overpriced. Right. So what I did was uh, once I uh, saw the property, it looked good. And then what what the the pictures, though, uh, showed the property, it would help me. The pictures showed, this way you got to go see the property. Everybody looks at pictures and then change, makes their mind up and doesn't go see it. This here, or the pictures were taken whenever they did. The, the guy who owned the property prior to me was a hunter. So he logged. I thought when my agent said that he logged the property, every one of you, as soon as I say that, you're like, well, I wouldn't, you know, this, this shit, you know, you want to buy it. So I'm like, uh, well, let me, I called him and I said, did they actually log the property? He said, yeah, they went down to 14 inches, this and that. I'm like, well, that's not logging. That, that's, or he said, that's not select cutting. I said, that's not select cutting. That's logging. I said, so probably not interested, but since we're going to be down and looking at another property, let's look at it first. There's nobody there. We'll go there. It's vacant. I'll look at it first. I met him there first in the morning and we walked the property. Turns out the guy that logged the property was a hunter. He didn't log the property. He logged off the top of the ridges to put in food plots. <laughs> so the property, the pictures that were in the in the MLS you know, for the listing, or not MLS, but the, the uh, white properties listing, um, showed it all tore up with, you know, these open yeah. Bare, you know, food plots that all the trees pushed aside. The they were like they were like late winter pictures too, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. So when I and what what he didn't tell me is the guy, the owner, had a guy come in. He spent like fifteen thousand dollars with a guy to come in and take out logs and uh, forestry mulch the entire thing. So he already spent all the money prepping the whole thing, and he actually seeded it twice already. So there was already clover and some rye and some other stuff coming up. So when I looked at it. It was still kind of dark, you know, dirty and, and uh, but I can see the seeds coming up, stuff like that. But what I was thrilled with is, is everything because it's steep. Like I told you, the, the ravines are pretty steep in some of the spots. Um, all the oaks, maples, and some hickory and some other trees, all still there. I have I have probably 50 oak trees on that property that are you can't get your arms around. And they're all on the hillsides and the ridges that, you, you know, deep ridges that you can't, that they didn't take. You left them there for food for the deer. I think that so was a key to, of you getting this at a good price like this because... Either this guy was just ready to be done with it, which you never know his motivation, but the right. fact that he probably wasn't getting a lot of action on it because I did, I remember the pictures when he sent to me, I was like, Ooh, it looks like it was cut kind of hard, yeah, you right. know, and it just didn't, it's hard to really grasp what a property looks like without actually seeing it. But I could tell that, that, okay, well, some of the expensive stuff, you know, like on that main ridge, as you come up, um, you kind of have, um, I don't know my orientation here, I would say a North it's, and a South it's, side, it's, right? Yeah. Well, the, the 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 food plot actually is the top north of the property, but the, the food plot, it, it, I, when I was up there, I finally range find it from where I put my redneck line, and it's 140 yards to the right, south southeast, and then the food plot comes in front of me and goes to the left, northeast or northwest. I'm sorry, uh, another 150 yards. So it's about 300 yards long, but it's got these fingers that pop off of it too. Now it needs some work, and I've already done some work there too to put more seed down and take some you know it's a bigger piece of wood uh, wood out of the, you know chip wood out of the food plot. I have feeders there now and cameras and stuff like that. But long story short, when I got there, I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. There was, there was hill, hills, there was trails, deer trails. There was uh, 
big trees for all the oaks. There was a stream on there. I had a small pond on the southeast part of the property. There's a pond on the northwest part of the property, where off the property, but it's like 20 yards from my property. So the deer used it, and they come back onto my property. Um, I was, I was, just, I was, I was. I couldn't believe how well set up the property was, especially with the, the ridges running north and south. So I could hunt them on a northwest wind or a northeast wind. I could still hunt those ridges, and even if it was southwest wind or a southeast wind, I could still hunt spot along the. What I found is when I was entering the property at the bottom of the near the road, um, the deer run the logging road every street, every day they run the logging road. I have, so I put cameras down there in the one or two of the big bucks that I couldn't find that were never on the food plots at the top. I found them on the cameras at the bottom of the ridges twice, three times now. So uh, long story short is when I, when I got to that property, I, I, uh, we walked the, almost the whole thing um, up and down, up and down all over. And I'm like, it was July. It was hot, you know, you know, sweating like crazy. And that I really, really liked what I saw. And then the, you know, the guy was like, well, you know, the seller told me that, you know, he wants you to make an offer. He's, you know, he's another 225 a little bit high. So he gave Josh permission to tell me that he just wanted me to give him an offer. Mm-hmm. So I, and I said, well, that's a signal. I, I, well, here's another thing going back to having a banker. I already had, before I went to see Josh, I emailed Josh my pre-approval letter so I could buy up to a certain amount of money. And this property was well within the amount of money I could afford. So I had Josh send him an offer that day with my, he had to, I mean, I, by the time I drove home, I did the docu and sent it back to Josh and Josh sent it to him that night. Um, so I looked at it, at, I was done walking the property at 12 noon. I got there at eight and walked four hours, get out at about 1230. Um, stood at the truck, talked about the deal. Um, I, t- I, I told him what I was willing to offer. I made that offer of 165 to the 225 property. Um, you know, it's a little bit low, uh, but I'll, I'll present it to him because I have to, whatever. I said, well, that's, you know, you know, that's where I'm willing to go right now and we'll go from there. So on my ride home, Josh called me and said, Hey, he said he'll do 170. Uh, if you're okay with that, I'll write it up and have it in your email. But by the time you get home, it's fine. Sweet. 5,000 bucks. I'm not fighting over 5,000. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So I said, do it. And then, you know, but I also had my pre-approval letter. So what the seller knows, I'm already good to go. So he's not wasting time. He's not taking his property off the market while he, while I, he signs an offer. And we got to wait two weeks for me to get financial approval for three weeks. And now he's got it off the market for three weeks. And then, so he might get 2000 bucks of hand money for me, but if I back out, but he still loses three weeks of the best marketing history. So what he knows from me having that letter is I made an offer. Once I signed the paperwork, it's a done deal that he backs out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's the, we changed the agreement somehow that we have to, we have a way to back out. But long story short, so by the time I got home, I read the agreement. Everything looked good. I called my banker real quick. Said, "Hey, I'm going to do this. Is it fine?" I I um I told uh, Josh uh, I'd have a check ready to go. My and he didn't. He knows my banker, so my banker sent an email to both of us saying he was ready to roll. So everything's good. So that night we had everything signed. I was already approved. So as soon as the seller sold or signed the agreement, he knew he sold his property. He made his money. And he was happy. So long story short is I mean, it, 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 having you know talk, and, and again I I talked to I, actually I got the I got the banker not the, the actual banker I got the bank from you and then I found that, that bank in Southern Ohio through Josh and that's how I I met the guy via the phone and I talked to him multiple times about what I was trying to do what my goals were what I want to do in five years this and that. And he, you know, he got on really well. And that guy did a nice job. He, he got me turned. And again, I, you know, I was prepared. So bankers love it when you're prepared. I had my money. I knew what I'm talking about. I already had, you know, had the money in the bank ready to go. Uh, he could always just call my bank. And I got, I was approved, you know, that day. Um, and then um, I wrote signed the agreement that night. Next day, I got a copy back. I had, I had my agreement done. We had the closing set up for September 23rd. At 11 a.m. and um, we had no problems because we, you know, everything was, you know, in set, you know, you know set and done up ahead of time. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's what. 
Yeah, it's a, it was a good it was a good deal. But I, the property itself, though, it really was the pictures. The fact that it was there for two and a half months, and I think the pictures didn't help the property sell for sure. Because I didn't, I wasn't even going to look at it. But the only reason I really looked at it is because I was going down to look at another property with twenty five and it had a house on it, which I really wanted. Um, but long story short, is this one looked so good and was set up so well. I'm like, I could buy it for half the price and put a house on it that I wanted, you know? Yeah. And then, not a big house. I mean, if any of you guys are out there listening, I don't over-improve stuff unless you plan on keeping it forever. But again, everything changes. So you always think about resale. So even though you might love a property, you think, hell, I'm never going to sell this to stay in my family. Right. You should always think about reselling it. I always say that. over-improve it. Begin with the end in yeah. mind. So, so, yep. is this, so is this your forever property, you think? Hell no. How long are you going to hold it? No, I love I love it to death. I already I'm gonna set up beautiful for 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 hunting. Yep, it's already set up pretty good for hunting. I already have you got one redneck blind up there, right? Yeah, I'm gonna have two or three on there. Uh, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna put some have. banks blinds on there because you know a guy that deals with them. <laughs> That's right. So I'll, I'll do that. But I already have. I'm looking at my pictures right now. I think I have eleven. I have seven digital cameras up there. I have four cellular cameras. I have three feeders, and I have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight existing stands in place right now on the property. In the first year. Um, and I have, yeah, first, yeah, first two and a half months. And then I have, um, I have four ladder stands. I just dropped off there two weeks ago when I went back over there, They're laying in the weeds. I got to put them up. And I have two lock on. Uh, They're laying with those that I have to put up as well. But I'm going to do that after I hunt. Yeah. Well, I came out there. But, you know, that, when, when was I there? In late October? Or, no, you were there uh, the weekend that, uh, after I closed, September 24th. September 24th is when it was? Okay. Yeah. I, I drove, I drove to Ohio. It was about a 13-hour drive. And uh, this, yeah. is, this is dedication of your referral agent friend to come here and help him out. <laughs> uh, Joe's been in my place too, by the way, and he hunts mine. Which is you know, that's something else we're talking about here. We haven't talked about. Now you've got a place definitely coming to mine. You're an American land man. Yeah, I can come to yours. And we're going right. to bounce back and forth and we're going to fix yours up. I'll probably come back this spring and we'll get those, we'll get those ladder stands up. And I sold Joe yeah. two, two banks feeders. I have two banks. Well, actually, I'm sorry. I bought a third through, I bought two through you and I bought one through okay. um, stretch squad. So as a benefit of doing business with the Whitetail Property Guys, we set Joe up with the best pricing possible on those feeders. That's good. And um, yeah, I love them. we're not going to yeah. tell you that you went chose the wrong blind with redneck, but you know, they're not, they're not too bad. They're not too bad. Well, tell them, well, no, we won't, we won't get into why either. <laughs> there was no, some no, supply and shipping issues that we couldn't get by, but I think I got that worked out and how we're going to do this in the future. But, um, so good. So, so you get the cameras out there and now we're not going to, we're not going to tell everybody about your hunting, but you, you were pretty pleasantly surprised. I would think when you saw what was already walking there. Yes, I had the four bucks that we felt were, and I and I talk. Another thing too is I talk with the seller uh, and my agent. For the, the agent covered the whole area, but my, my the seller and I are friends. Actually, I, I went down there uh, a week. You know, the second time I went down there to hunt, I actually met up with the seller. I never met him before. We just talked. We didn't even talk on the phone. As a matter of fact, he I, I met. Uh, I was we text back and forth, and uh, he, uh, I got the, his information from uh, Josh, my real estate agent. I contacted him. I said, Hey, I'm coming down this coming, you know, two weeks I'm coming down there. I'd love to get together, have lunch and talk about the property. So long story short is I go down there and it was pouring down rain the first day it's supposed to be hunting. So I text the uh, Tyler and I said, Hey, it's pouring down rain. I'm, I'm down at the property. It's like eight o'clock. It looks like it's going to pour all day. I said, uh, you want to grab some breakfast or something if you can? He's the teacher. So I, I didn't know if he was working or not. And it turns out it was September. So he was, he was off uh, at the time I called him. So 
so long story short is uh, he has four children. So his wife was home with one kid. He took his three three oldest children and, and met me at a local diner. And we ate and I got to meet his kids and uh, talked about the property. And he showed me maps. He showed me where he saw deer, where we've seen the best deer. Uh, gave me some more pictures. Now that I bought the property, he gave me all the pictures <laughs> of the deer. Um, and I still, to this day, it's been what, September, October, November, September, so three and a half months now. And I literally just sent him pictures the other day. I'm, I'm joking with him about this one 12 point buck that I'm trying to kill. Super wide. And I, the damn thing, if any, you guys just all have the same problem. I mean, you know, I tried to hunt this guy. I got, I would joke about having, I got feeders, cameras, trails cut in, stands in place, and I still can't kill this damn thing. So, um, it, literally this year, I think four out of five times that I've been down there to hunt the property, he's either been there before I got there, didn't see him at all. I've never seen him during the day. Um, but he's either been there right before I've been there, or I'll, I'll come and hunt four, five, six days in a row. I'll leave. Two days later, he shows up. Yeah. And I literally, on a Monday, the one, my most recent, not most, my first instance with him or this happening was, um, on a Monday, uh, I put up a tree stand, a, a walk on tree stand where I found him in the really big eight points I'm trying to kill as well. Um, so I put up a, a lock on stand about 20 yards, 25 yards from this natural scrape that was happening. Doctor scrape up, put a camera over it. On Wednesday at 11 a.m., the big eight point was there eating, eating uh, or licking the, you know, the branch scrape, hit the stuff, hit and scrape. And then at 1.30 and 5.30, the 12 point showed up there. And I had video of them from my Bushnell digital camera for they're both there about 15, 20 minutes each time. And if I'd have been in that stand all day, I'd have killed one of them. Well, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the aerial here, and I'm messing around with the 3D, and I'm moving around. You got you got two major valleys, one in the yeah. right. You know what I'm talking about? Across the center, yeah. Yep. And then you got a big a big a big ridge that's got basically like three, maybe four, definitely three different points. Then you've got the southern part that's really secluded. He's figuring he somehow he knows he sees you coming in. That's what's happening. So yeah, um, yep. Half the fun is figuring out where you think he is. I'm sure you'll zone, zone in on him, and you're gonna have to create yeah. the line of travel that you control by how you set this thing up with licking branches and feeders, so that you can somehow advantageously put him where you where you can access because he's I think he's watching you come in. But you were on the oh, property I, I a lot too, right? So the first year you're figuring yeah. it out, and you know you're well. I mean, literally, I've been, so literally at the end of September, so we got up to November, December, right? And I, and I really haven't spent a lot. I only, I have, I have not been over there since, um, after gun season, but then ended on the 4th of December. So I've not been back over there. So really, I, but I was there, right? Every time I go, I have to go fill the feeders. I have to change the, all the cameras. There's 11 of them. So I usually go and I have, I have solar panels on the Tacacam cell cans, but sometimes I guess you still need to replace the batteries. You know, I think I have a problem with one of them. But anyway. Well, when you get a thousand pictures a day at your feeders, they tend to wear out. I'm telling you, I the one, I don't, no joke, I had 850 at the, at the one feeder. Yeah. And I, I, I was like, I was literally turning my phone off because I was like, I can't. Every squirrel and blue jay. Day. Oh, it was digging every two seconds. <laughs> so, which is good and bad, but, you know, long story short is, um, uh, yeah, there's a, I, I, what I don't have that I'm going to have in the spring is I have a guy that's coming over there with a bulldozer and he's going to make me a perimeter trail the whole way around the property. Then for the perimeter trail, there's actually some nice logging roads that just need touched up or, you know, cause they've had some, it's been four or five years. So it's been, they need, um, just level cause they got some water rusted on the neck and stuff. They're pretty hairy. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Uh, I'm going to have him touch those up. We'll do the, get the perimeter trail done first and then come back to him and just clean up those um, trails that cut across the property. That'll make access phenomenal. And they'll, they'll use it too, but I mean, it'll make at least for different winds. I can get in and out of it without making noise um, or breaking an ankle, you know, right. walking up and down these hills and you know, all these ruts and stuff. It's kind of, you know, it's not easy. Yeah, we rode the ATV like nut to butt around some of these trails and didn't even know they were there. You keep, you keep uh, oh, uh, yeah. finding more. Do you think, did you buy it, Joe, um, with enough room to do this work? This bulldozer work ain't cheap, but did you get it at a good price where when you do the work, it's definitely going to enhance the value, but did you buy it right so that you could do the work and capitalize on that equity? Yeah, I think, because um, I'm not going to have him do, get crazy. I'm just going to have him do the, and, and quite honestly, the from starting at the, the whole north, well, starting about halfway up the property on the northwest side, the west side, uh, from the landing all the way up and around the back side of the property, it's already existing. All he has to do is re- literally smooth it a little bit for me. To, to oh, from the other trail, from the other logging, it's already yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, it's always so better fit the logs. Yeah. And then the whole top of the property, I don't think I need him to do much unless I, the only reason I'm going to get to the top of the property or, or expand the food pots is if I expand the food pots. So, for now, like you just talked about money, if it's 200 bucks an hour, I'm not, you know, I'm now kind of on a fixed income because I don't, you know, I'm working, but I'm not making a ton of money now. So I literally will take, I'll spend a couple thousand bucks probably to have the perimeter trail create. Then I'll, I'll take a break and I'll go back through with my ATV, cut up some, start cutting firewood, pulling some of the trees out of there that are laying down and creating firewood stacks down on the landing. And then maybe after I get the food plot up and running, because I don't want him to, to mess with the big food plot. I'm going to get him to expand the food plot on the southeast part of the property where he was already talking with the previous owner about creating a food plot. So what I'll do is I'll go in there, take all the trees out before he gets there. So all he'll have to do is come in and just hit, you know, knock out the small stumps with the bulldozer and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll, so he'll be able to whip through that. And, and so what I'm trying to do is obviously save time, bulldozer time, because we're getting 200 bucks an hour is a lot of money. So if I can, you know, do another, if he can come in and do another day, create that food plot on the southeast part of the property. And then I have, um, one other small spot area that I wanted to clear out for me too. So I'll have all the trees gone. So if I can do one more day mid-summer to get him to clean those areas out, I can get those planted ready for the fall, um, you know, hopefully, you know, and then uh, then I'll have three different food plots, the three different ridges. So you'll be, be into, you'll be into year two. And then are you thinking three to five year hold time and then sell this because you'll it'll be worth more you get it set up it's going to be worth more turnkey always yeah is. i'm gonna i'm gonna see um yeah as the hunting really goes well i'd like to keep it longer but I mean, right now if i could shoot the top three bucks that i'm seeing I'd, I'd be happy to stay where i am because i know I, now there's a there's a local bar down the road about six miles um uh, we, we, we went there it was a good yep. old bar i forget it's called something like that a good old bar or something like that Anyway, uh, I, I stop in there now every time I can grab a sandwich um, uh, for lunch or something like that. And I talk to a guy, a young guy. He's, uh, he works at the bar. His buddy owns it, but he works there. But he has a farm, not like two roads over behind me. And his family has 250 acres. And they're big hunters. And he and I now, literally last time I was there in December, we in the beginning of the month here, I stopped in, had a sandwich before I drove home. And he was there and uh, we swapped some pictures. You know, he showed me some pictures of the deer he started to see. Now, so he was telling me that when I saw him a month ago, the deer, the big bucks on his property all with does and couldn't find them. Same thing with me. When I went back in there at the beginning of December, I'm like, look, I'm starting to see the bigger bucks now grouping back up because me too. And, they, and they're all coming back and they're starting to start the daylight and they're all over food. And I said, after that, that's where I saw mine too, but it's all, most of it's, you know, nighttime. And I think that's because of my pressure. You know, I've been in there a little bit. 
and, and, you know, it is tough sometimes to get in there with, you know, south wind to go out to my food plot. You're boogering something up because you got to walk from the south to the north. So there's no way around it. Um, Weird. But that's how the perimeter trail will help me in the spring. When you start to get to know the locals like that, then you're going to have ties. And sometimes it is hard to, sure. to yeah. move up in a property. But if that's not your goal, then don't. I don't know if you know this, but I'm yeah. looking at your guy on the south, uh, southern border of your property um stanley is his last name he's got some big he's got yeah. the whole cleared like a uh, three ridges cleared up on the top and they most likely are a uh, food plot so you should maybe go check that guy out but um well, if, you, if you if you look at the picture i just sent you of my of my onyx map mm-hmm. you see a tree you see a climbing stand right on the corner of that right north of that food plot <laughs> oh yeah 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 i see it yeah i went up I saw a nice, I saw a nice seven point the first day. I went up there, I was up there five, I think I told you the story, I went up there five minutes. Literally walked up there, put a, put a lot uh, summit tree, climbing tree stand on a tree, went up the tree 20 feet, turned around, sat down, and I heard, you know, crunching, I'm thinking the damn squirrels, they're already messing with me, right? I, and I literally looked down below my, through my stand, and this box with yellow antlers, probably a 14, 16 inch wide, seven point, really nice looking young deer, you know, two and a half year old, but really great genetic. Literally was there, walked to my left up the hill, I could have killed him. For 30 yards, he was walking back and killed him. But he was a beautiful buck. And I was there five minutes. That's right on that side of the property. Yeah. Side of the property. Uh, you might yeah. want to get to know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it's funny because he's, he's got a place over there, but he's not. He, it's a barn, but he doesn't live there. The house is closed. You know, it's nice. It looks like a normal house, but it's not. Nobody lives there. Well, maybe that's good. So, work with him. Maybe work yeah. with him and get those food plots planted for him. And I don't know expand your ability yeah. to hunt the area. Well, Joe, we're, we're over an hour now, and I like to keep it at about that. We start losing people, but um, I want to congratulate you on doing it. You're, you're an American landman. Fantastic job. Thanks for all your help. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. All right, buddy. Well, um, stay on the line after we get off, but I want to thank you for getting on and explaining your dream and letting people know that it is doable. And I can't wait to see yeah, what you turned into. Yeah, thank you. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Take care. All right. Well, I always enjoy talking to Joe. Joe and I go back many years. I, I like I said, I met him when he broke up a fight between me and another guy at a uh, a pharmaceutical training meeting a long time ago. Later on, he saw me reading Bowhunter magazine, and that was the beginning of our friendship. We've been good friends ever since. He's hunted with me. Um, I brought uh, him into a lease in Wisconsin. And when I knew he was you know, searching for a piece of property and he was uh, looking and kind of searching with a uh, residential agent, I said, Joe, come on, man. What You know, you got some of the best landmen in the nation at your disposal. Work with us and let us help you. And boom, just like that. He got with the right guys, the center of influence, which I always say. And the next thing you know, he bought this property and I think he bought a real gem. I went there in September, like you heard, and helped Joe uh, set it up and do a little work on there because he's doing a lot by himself. I know it's a lot of work. And um, while he didn't bag a buck this year, they're definitely there and there's just a lot of upside potential and we didn't get into it but there's a a big parcel behind him that doesn't allow hunting that is 170 acres so he's got a little bit of a sanctuary so he's done a lot of good things he targeted right um you heard him assemble his his uh team bankers and realtors got with the right team to help him find this property and then he made an offer and he got a hell of a deal so congratulations to do it so 
Hey guys, if you're looking to become an American landman, I would like to be your guy in the land business. You could do what Joe did. You give me a call and ask me for advice and I most definitely will be able to hook you up with another agent uh, in your area. Somebody that knows the market, knows hunting land and will get you into the process and help you through it every step of the way. So I wanna thank you for listening. As always, with a sign off, I'm Neil Hogger. I'm a land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate and you're listening to the American Landman Podcast.